the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the, Euro, different. The, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. I am Cindy McHenry. I am currently the assistant women's basketball coach at Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. I formerly coached at Adams State University. And when I first started coaching, I coached on the men's team at Adams State and spent a year there. And then when a new women's coach was hired on at Adams State, I decided I wanted to go back. I really wanted to help that program rebuild and be successful. So I went back to the women's side. And then from there, I got another great opportunity to be a great program here at Fort Lewis and came here. So I've only been coaching for three years, but I'm, I think I'm in my fourth year now. And um, but I had a lot of experience um, getting to be with a lot of international players um, with each one of those teams. So it's it's been good. Nice, nice coach. Great to have you here this morning. Um, we spoke to coach, I don't know if you know him, Coach Lewis Wilson. Um, he was at Adam oh, yeah. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had him on last night. Uh, really great guy, really funny guy. Um, <laughs> he's an yeah. awesome, awesome, awesome guy. Um, and yes. what I want to touch on as well at some point, um, slightly off topic, in fact, we can get into it now actually, um, is what's it like coaching? uh men's basketball and women's basketball what's the biggest difference <laughs> I, I get that question a lot but um <laughs> i would definitely say it's a little bit of like the game is a little bit different i definitely feel the women's game is a lot more about the fundamentals and knowing like really coaching the details men's basketball and the, I hate to say this because I think women are very athletic. They're very naturally talented, but men have some natural abilities that you can count on in certain moments. And so I definitely think from that experience, I learned that because there was times that clock was ticking and they were able to make some very incredible plays. And not that my girls have not done that, but it's it was a lot more naturally just because they're so athletic, they were able to pull it off. And with the girls, I definitely feel it was more like they were more intelligent. They they thought that play through before it even happened, as opposed mm -hmm. to just, hey, whatever my body's gonna do. And so when it comes to that basketball part, and then on on like the outside part of it being like about attitude and all that, I would say there's not too much different. I think I found that men are a little bit like women in the sense that they still want that same relationship. They still want that same, you know, connection that drives them. They want to play for someone something and they still want they still want to be pushed they still want to be supported and they kind of value those same things they even though men tend to put on an exterior yeah. they they still like that that emotional part of it in some sense um and also um what's it like in terms of the um, the reaction from the players, do you know, was it, do you feel, did you feel like the players treated you different because you was a, uh, a female coach or was it just all the same, you was a coach um, and you was respected and treated the same, you know, uh, coaching uh, either genders? Um, I definitely think that when I got the position, 
my head coach at the time did a really great job of kind of setting setting the tone about how I was to be treated. And him and I had a lot of discussions about how how I'm going to demand that respect as well in that situation. Because not only was I a female, I was pretty young. And so there was multiple barriers there to kind of get through and make sure that the they're like, and this is with all players, men and women, that they're listening to me just the same way that they would back. And so I was very grateful for a good head coach that was there to help me mitigate that situation that I was unsure of. But as at the beginning, I was a little nervous and I think the, the boys were a little bit nervous too. <laughs> and then as we kept going, they realized I wasn't afraid to jump in or push them around or come out. And so then that like really kind of season went on. Okay, nice. Okay, perfect. All right, so um, we're gonna get you know onto the the meat meat of the the show. Um, vague vague estimate. It doesn't have to be an exact number. Um, how many international players would you say you've recruited or you know been around the recruitment process in your time? I've been around. Let's see. I, I counted it. <laughs> Uh, six, I've been around six international players. It's been about two per team per year. And then, um, right now we only have one, but we are constantly communicating with a lot of international players now, so. Okay, nice. Um, and the, the, you know, the big question I'd say is why would you recruit an international, um, player over a domestic player? You know, I really had to think hard about that question. So I I think what it came down to was you're adding diversity. I think the main thing I love about basketball so much is that there's so much diversity in the sport. And no matter who you are, you can play and you can be great at it. And so these kids are coming to school wanting an experience, the full all-around experience of college basketball. And part of that is getting to be around people that are not like you. And international students, some of them may look like you, but they have not experienced life at all the same as you. And mm -hmm. so they, you know, you get an opportunity to learn so much more from international students. Not saying that they don't learn from their US counterparts as well, but you know, there's some kids may never travel in their life. And this is an opportunity to get to see another side of the world you know, that they'll never, that they may never visit. And so I think that adds value to the team. And so that's one reason, I don't know if that's over a domestic player, but then I think what I've learned from the personalities that I've worked with and recruited is that a lot of international players, they, they worked so hard to get to the U.S. and they worked so hard to get to college basketball in the U.S. that when they're here, they're so grateful and they want to be in the gym all the time and they want to work hard and they want to do well and they don't really take it for granted. I do think sometimes domestic players tend to take it for granted or their parents are just an hour away. So it's easy for them to just kind of get lost in it as opposed to really dedicating the reason of school and basketball to be here. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely hear that a lot. Um, as I said, we, I spoke to uh, Coach Wilson last night and, you know, he said there's, there, there is a, a sense sometimes of um, 
trying to remember his exact words, but he's like comfort level. You know, domestic players are comfortable, they're in their own environment, whereas international kids are like, you know, driven a little bit more. It's a purpose, it's a passion. So, um, and I guess, you know, especially with the um, recruiting pool of, of, of players, you're going to find some that are highly motivated, that are domestic, and you're going to find some that are like, especially the ones I feel that are talented and they've been really good for a while and it comes sort of naturally. You know, it's a given they're going to go to to college. It's a given. So they're not really, you know, giving it their all. Whereas a kid, and a lot of these kids um, internationally, they're like, man, I've got to make it. I've got to make it. I've got to make it. So um, the fire is a little bit different in their motivation. So um, it's really good. Um, best international player that you've uh, recruited? Um, that I personally recruited was the one that we have now and she, her name's Eva and she's from Serbia. Um, she, and when I'll, I'll explain the other one that I first coached, but the first one that we recruited, um, she, when we first watched her play, she was out there scrapping and going hard. And so then we got to meet her and it's kind of funny. She was really like kind of soft-spoken. She wasn't super, um, I, I don't want to say she wasn't outgoing because she's a very outgoing girl. But as we got to know her, she really kind of came out of her shell and we got to really see my person on the court that we saw is the person that is off the court that we were getting to know. And so it was really kind of fun to get to see that person blossom to us and then it's just continued to happen as she's played this year. She's just a freshman right now, but she's starting for us. And she's been just a joy to have, she's a joy to coach. And so um, I definitely say the first one I've recruited has been quite the success. She's really set the bar high on that. Um, and then the first international player for me to coach, uh, he, he was on the men's team. He definitely kind of had, he kind of had a little attitude in the sense of like, he he wasn't always the best one on the court, but he knew he was like gonna go out and do a lot of things and he knew he was good enough to be there and all that, but he loved to joke around at the same time. And so same thing, he kind of just always, he always kind of brought a good attitude to practice and he loved to, um, I'm trying to say this in the right way, he loved to talk crap a lot <laughs> on the court in practice. So he was able to add that element in the sense of like, pushing people's buttons and really getting got kind of getting that spark out of people in practice because he was a great defender he was a really really great defender nice nice it's always i like those guys that i guess it's kind of controversial but i like the guys that push people's buttons in practice i like to sit back and watch them kind of like you know oh go get him oh just and seeing how they react i mean like especially there's the physical side, but it's, for me, it's the mental game of chess. You know, okay, hey, look, I'm just gonna stand right there. I'm gonna, you know, um, in the break of a play and the player's like leaning over, like not looking at them, but like making contact with them. And, and there's no, you're like, dude, what are you doing? And he's just ignoring him and he's like, you know, it's just the, the I like it. I, you know, I stand back and watch it all the time. It's great theater. Um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, can you explain the process of recruiting a player from uh, start to, an international player from start to finish? 
Yes. So I guess it kind of differs if they're at a prep school in the U.S. or if they are just completely um, uh, at their home. So when they are international, they haven't been at a U.S. school. It's a little bit different um, because we may not have the chance of actually physically going to get to see them. Um, but usually we get tons of emails every day or we have connections throughout, you know, countries and where they're at. And so somebody will send us game film or we get an email and we'll watch the highlight reel. And if that intrigues us enough, then we're like, okay, we want to watch the game film. Typically, a lot of people send us the game film with the highlight, which is really nice. And, you know, that's very important because the, the highlights kind of, you know, it's that movie trailer, it hooks you, it gets you in. And then once you're in, you know, you want to see how are they acting when they get subbed out? How are they acting during those dead ball situations? Um, you know, the character that they're bringing in those moments or, you know, and or how are they acting off ball when the ball's not in their hands? Are they moving well and all that great stuff? So, you know, that's where it starts is we get we start watching those. And then if we like it enough, then, you know, we hit up that player. We usually use WhatsApp seems to be the best form of communication and you know we start talking we set up a zoom call and get a chance and our zoom calls are mostly for us to give a chance to explain our home what our school's like what our program's like and then as well as get to know the, the student or the player and you know as much as like that might be the first initial draw for us to kind of sell ourselves to them it's them to sell themselves to us and so it's for us right now in the program that I have that we have it's so important to just kind of be able to build that relationship and really get to know a recruit and know for sure that this is somebody that we want to spend four years with because it's the four-year relationship that we're committing to and and then it's beyond that because we want to stay friends with them forever but you know it's a four-year business relationship at the very least so um that we do a zoom call we get to know them and then you know, if things are going well from that Zoom call, then we continue to build that relationship. We want to kind of talk at least once a week, depending on what age they are in the recruiting process, kind of depends on that as well. Um, you know, watch more game film, kind of keep that going. And then if possible, like if they're a US player, you know, get a chance to bring them on campus so they can visit. Um, when it comes to international players, it's not so easy for them to get to come visit. And so when it comes to those players, it's usually we'll take them on, we'll FaceTime them, take them on a walk through campus, show them things. We really try hard to send them videos of like what's going on. And you know, this year's a little different because we have no fans going on, but we just send them some clips of the games and we live stream all of our games in there for free. So we're able to send those off so people can watch and get a feel of what's going on is the best at the best of their ability that is right now. And so, and then if, if they come on the visit, that's usually when we ask for a commitment. Um, and then if they're international and they're not able to come on a visit, but it's something they're really intrigued in, then we'll talk logistics with the financial situation and break down, you know, their offer and go from there. And if they commit, they commit and move on. Okay, nice. Um, all right. Um, so, <laughs> when you bring a player on a visit, do you always offer them? Okay. Typically, if it's an official visit, yes, typically, yeah. Um, unofficial visits, not so much. 
but an official visit and an official visit is when we pay for their you know their flight or their traveling we pay for their hotel we pay for their food you know we kind of really show them the ropes an official visit we typically yes an unofficial visit is less paid for um really trying to think of just <laughs> uh we i believe are able to get them one meal you're really testing my compliance in my brain right now <laughs> um and then <laughs> But as unofficial, it's a little bit different. It's more they're coming to visit and then an official visit, we're more so trying to convince them and sell them. But um, not to say an unofficial visit is not always an offer either. We have offered on unofficial visits. Okay, okay. Uh, nice. Uh, how about, and you was just talking about, you know, highlight tapes and um, you said like the trailer and the wet and appetites and stuff. How valuable is a highlight tape? how much influence does it have on a player getting signing? Um, I definitely, I definitely think it has, I don't know about the signing part, but I definitely think it gives you that chance to start the conversation, start the relationship. Um, you know, like I said, if there's the highlight, sometimes people attach the film, but they don't always attach the film. So if I'm watching an athlete and I'm like, wow, they really got some great things in this highlight tape, and you really, in the highlight tape, want to put your best things, you know, really show and highlight the things that you're great at, the things that you do best at. And it's, it doesn't always have to be you scoring, you know, it can be the defensive end, it can be assists, it can be rebounds, but, you know, you show those things and then it's like, okay, now I want to reach out and ask for game film. And that starts communication because then once that that's been drawn, now you know I've watched you and I want to know more about you and then you know if there's been times that we don't feel like we watch the highlight and then they send game film and then we kind of don't feel the same anymore we're very vocal I don't know if this is every program but our program we're we're vocal like okay well we still we don't know if you're quite the right fit and so then that way we don't waste their time but you know sometimes in some programs I if we get a kid that I feel like was pretty good, but maybe would really blossom at the JUCO level or something. I have a lot of friends at the JUCO level that I'll forward that film on to or, you know, and help that kid out because, you know, maybe they're not right for our program, but they might be right for somebody else's. Nice. But, just to circle back, but that highlight is very important, yes. Um, it, it definitely starts conversation and then you have to work, do more work to, to keep it going after that. I am, in all my years, I always tell players, hey, as long as I've been coaching, I've never seen a bad highlight tape in terms of, I've never seen people miss or throw turnovers or whatever on a highlight tape. I said, so everyone's highlight tape, they're always scoring, they're always doing something great. You have to have a range of different things, show a full arsenal of what you can do. You know what I mean? It's not just all, yes. you know, drives and you're finishing with your right hand. I want to see your left hand. I want to see you, you know, kind of play deep, stay in front of your man kind of thing, take charges. So, um, yeah, I think the more well-rounded and complete uh, a highlight tape is, the more beneficial it is rather than just someone spotting up and hitting threes making right-handed for sure for so, sure uh, you made a very good point about taking charges it, usually if we see somebody take a charge in a highlight reel we're like okay let's 
Let's give it a deeper look. We love Chargers. I love it. Um, what would be the best way for a player um, from overseas to, you know, get in touch with a college coach um, to get themselves recruited? What's the, you know, how, how would, you know, I'm little Johnny from uh, England and, you know, I want to get in t- contact. I definitely think um, little Johnny should do some research and figure out, you know, we kind of talked about this before about where you want to be um i know a lot of things are just what you can google but if you know if you know where you want to be in the country or if you kind of know places that you might be inclined to go to look at those places and then look at all the schools in that city or maybe in just that state because and then start reaching out find that coach's email Send it to the the head coach, the assistant coach, um, the GA, whoever's on that whole roster. I would send it to the whole thing because sometimes head coaches are getting so many emails, it gets missed, but it may not get missed by the guys that aren't getting as many emails as the head coach. And so I would definitely recommend send it to everybody that is a coaching staff on the roster list. Um, You know, send out that email talking about your grades, um, talking about yourself, kind of introduce yourself, and tell you like what what kind of things you like to do in your off time. Um, time, but keep it sweet and simple. But it's good to know kind of a little bit more about a kid when they they email us because we're like, oh, all right, you know, like pretty well rounded, or they come from a big family, you know, just things to kind of give us a little bit more information about who they are. But then you know now attach those stats, the highlight you know, some game film and send it to all those people. And then as well as, you know, I know not everybody has access to people that know people in the States, but especially when you're overseas, if you know people in the States, hey, can you hit up, you know, some coaches or can you send out my film or, you know, those things are very important. You know, I know there's a lot of girls that I played with that are from other countries. And so sometimes, you know, I've gotten texts from girls that I've played with that are like, hey, I know this kid that's been playing, would you mind taking a look? So not only just people that are trying to help you get overseas, but just people that maybe have played overseas Mm. can do a lot for you. I like that. I don't think I've thought about that in terms of just, you know, uh, individuals outside of the coaching world, somebody that, you know, played college basketball they might you know know a coach or a teammate so yeah that's a very good point i like that um what should a freshman expect coming into a a college program you know from playing time to you know how they're integrated into the team you know what's what's to be expected oh man it's a lot it's it's a lot already for you know domestic freshmen as it is for an international student so (laughs) Um, especially international students that didn't do the prep school route because, you know, they are, this is their first time away from their parents. Maybe this is the first time being this far away from their parents. Definitely take into account that you need to come and build a, maybe not like an immediate best friendship, but build a relationship that you trust because it's going to be nice when those days are hard. It's, you know, there, there's tough days. It's not always nice it's not always great you know sometimes practice was really hard and the coach got on you 
and you can't go talk to the coach about it because, well, I don't know. Let me backtrack there because sometimes going to talk to the coach about it is a really great idea. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to go lean on that's going to tell you, hey, it's all right. It's just one day, you know, tomorrow's going to be better. And, you know, your parents aren't always there to tell you that. But at the same time, you might get there. You're not feeling good. You get sick. You need somebody that knows, hey, we can go pick up some cold and flu medicine for you, at, you know, at the store downtown and get you, you know, get you feeling better. And so those kind of things help because not everything's the same when you're in another country or, you know, you don't know what kind of medicines might help you feel better without having to go see a doctor or all that kind of stuff. But the luxury about being a college athlete is that you do have your athletic training staff. And so anytime you're not feeling well, they always can help, you know, direct you in a way, or maybe they have the answers to help you feel better when it comes to being sick. Um, but definitely in the first year, you'll, you'll show up, you're moving in, everything's really exciting. And then, you know, you start to get to know your teammates, figure things out. Um, I know this year for our international player, it's been really nice that her roommates and her fellow like freshman teammates they have cars, you know, they yeah, they do yeah, a lot. Yeah. So she has access to be able to go to the store. And so that's really good for her. <laughs> and so um, she's built that relationship. Now they're like best friends. I mean, I might be filling words in their mouth, but they look like best friends to me when I'm I've done that and a few so, times. <laughs> All right. But it's definitely, you know, I get a lot of calls sometimes though when I think international players aren't quite so sure what to do. And like, well, you know, like I said, their parents aren't here. So I get a lot of calls that are like, okay, hey coach, you know, I'm not getting an email back from this professor, what do I do? Or, you know, I'm not getting a hold of the housing department. You know, they're not like, how do I do this? Or am I doing this wrong? And so there's just a lot of things that I know that we stepped out of our way necessarily, you know, coaches, we do everything half the time, but, you know, just to make sure that she's taken care of because it's, it's scary when you don't know what to do. And I can't imagine doing it without someone nearby that you can call all the time. And so that's definitely really important. And with that said, like part of the recruiting process, I would definitely advise international players to make sure you have a really close relationship with your coaches as you're getting closer to committing because you want to commit to the school that is going to take care of you more so than is going to give you what you think you want just out of basketball. You want to make sure you're well taken care of. And so, um, and that they communicate with your parents. I know every now and then we'll send an email to her dad just saying like, hey, she's doing well. You know, she's she's doing, she got good grades this, you know, on her last checkup, just kind of things to make sure that he knows that we're keeping an eye on her and making sure she's she's safe and she's doing all right. So I would definitely, I've definitely advise that the relationship is very important when you're choosing between schools. So, that's, that's a nice little um, touch there, checking, checking in with you know the parents and stuff. That's a nice touch, making sure that they're in the loop. I guess that helps lower anxiety um, for the parents as well. You know, they're not stressing all the well. They're always going to stress if the, you know the kids are out of reach, but it takes the pressure off a little yes. bit. So um, yeah, that's nice. Yes. That's, that's yeah. a very nice touch. Um, what's your views on junior college? I know you mentioned that you've got some 
coaching friends down in, in junior college. But what's the what's your views on junior college versus prep schools versus academies? Um, and where is it preferential to recruit a player from? Um, well, I would definitely say it helps when we are recruiting a player from a prep school or um, when they've come to the States, just because, you know, the ACTs, the, you know, the TOEFL scores, all of that is there's less of that transition. In. Um, it makes the, you know, the behind the desk kind of part a lot easier. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, if a player is great, a player is great. It's not going to quite matter when it comes down to that kind of stuff. Um, it is easier when they're at prep schools for us to be able to go watch, like I said earlier, um, and get an opportunity to go see them in person or even be able to meet them in person because, you know, that really helps build that relationship when you actually get to physically meet the person because it may not be the same. <laughs> um, but with junior colleges, you know, we, I, we have no problem like there's a lot of international students that I feel like go junior college and a lot of the coaches that we have close relationships with almost recruit solely international which is kind of an interest, interesting yeah. to me but it's gone really well for them and they've been very successful with it um you know in let's see la uh, when I was at Adams State we had two players that were junior college international player transfers and you know, I think for any junior college athlete, this is international or domestic, it's a little harder because you, you spent two years getting used to one coach. Now you got to transition into getting used to another coach. Um, so I would say that's kind of one of the cons of junior college transfers. But at the same time, that's two years that a player might have been playing and getting a lot of experience against great players, against great athletes, against bigger bodies. And so then when they, we do get them, we have to adjust a few things, you know, fundamentally when it comes to defense or it comes to how we run our offense, but they, their IQ is aware of, you know, game management, shot clock. So junior college is really great for players that maybe needed just a little bit more work, you know, banging on some posts or work, you know, getting that game time experience at a new pace, you know, and so, um, there's pros and cons definitely to junior college transfers. I definitely think same thing when it comes to international recruits, when it goes to junior college, definitely, you know, find a great program, but not all junior colleges are in, you know, your ideal places. So you're going to have to pick, you know, do you want a super successful program that might get you to your end destination of a really great school? Or do you want to be somewhere for two years? That's, you know, nice and sunny, but maybe not, as successful when it comes to the basketball side of it mm. so there's a lot of things to weigh in that situation but um you know there's a lot of successful junior colleges that are in not so great places in the middle of nowhere um yeah yes it's, um i always find that interesting and i guess that's kind of like the premise around the show um is about understanding um all elements of you of a player coming to play international uh, collegiate basketball. Um, you know, do you want to go to Wyoming, Idaho, um, uh, Alaska and, and, and play in these places? Or, you know, 
if you want to go to Cali, you know, it might be a different story, but you know, there's different weathers and um, environments to, to help you or hinder you succeed. Um, and the mm-hmm. junior college question is, is, is really interesting because I know in my time, you know, coaching in a couple of different countries, the, the reputation for junior college isn't always great. So, you know, uh, I think especially this season, me asking coaches like yourself, you know, that recruit or, you know, that can potentially look at players from junior college. It's nice for them to know that, hey, it's not a knock against you if you go to junior college. It's not a not at all. Yeah. end of the world thing if you go to junior college. Like sometimes it's preferential. Some coaches prefer players to go get some game experience get some maturity um and all the rest of it and now they don't have to you know not saying that coaches don't want to coach but they don't have to uh train you from the ground up you've already had two years experience kind of thing so um yeah i I really like that um you know that educational part that we're giving them um how hard or easy um is it for an international student to integrate to a program Actually, no, we, yeah, we kind of touched on that. We can leave that one. Um, yeah. Well, ah, here we go. Uh, what, is typically, well, what is typically covered in uh, your scholarship, a scholarship that you'd give out to one of your players? So is it full? Is it half? Um, how does that work? Um, so uh, uh, there is a difference between D1, D2, NAI, um, junior college even, you know, not full scholarship may not be the same at all levels and so at division two a full ride usually covers your tuition um your housing and your meal plan and so and that includes like the fees that typically come with it so a full ride you know you might have to come in and pay especially with internationals you know that fee for the hundred dollars that you they have to pay for like all of the transactions and stuff and getting things ready and I don't know there's a lot of things that happens in the international department (laughs) (laughs) and so but outside of that it's pretty much everything's covered when you're coming in on a full ride um at D2 we can get partial scholarships and so we're able to you know if somebody comes in with really great academics and is able to get a lot of academic money from the school then we're able to counter that and give maybe double that from what their academic was giving or cover the rest of what's not being covered by an academic scholarship. And so, um, or, you know, it just kind of depends. There's a lot of times that we recruit a lot of our kids in a way that is like, you come in and you have a chance to always earn more. Every year your scholarship can change. It's not guaranteed four years. And so it's a it's a one year contract technically. Now we would never bring in a player saying, "Hey, you're here for one year and you're going to go anywhere." So, one and done's no one and done, coach. But you can be there for a year. If all of a sudden you're doing really great, your stats increase more than the coaches ever planned, then they can always up your scholarship after a year. There, even at the D2 level, if you're doing great before Christmas, they can up it at semester. They cannot nice. take away money in semester, but if they have the ability, they can up it at semester. That so happens. 
Um, but they cannot change anything for that whole year though. So if you were gonna get $5,000, you get $5,000 for the whole year and it cannot be changed until the end of the year. Uh, okay. Um, so at least that part guaranteed. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but typically, I, I can't speak for all programs, typically coaches don't change or lower unless there was a really like, unless the kids said they're a 40% three-point shooter and they came in and never shot over 15%, you know, that might be means for a change. Or if that kid came in and was going to a lot of parties and causing a lot of problems and, mm -hmm. you know, those are means for loss in money. But if the kid always showed up and did what they're supposed to do, just maybe wasn't quite ready because they still had to get used to the game or keep growing as a player, most likely it will not change because a coach knew that when they recruited them. Okay, that's nice. Um, you said it's a one-year deal more or less, but I want to see, oh yeah, it's a one-year deal that more than less it continues. But I want to know, on the changing of that is, you know, if a player gets injured, how does that work? If, would you take, could their scholarship get be taken away because they're injured or, you know, talk to that a little bit? Um, yes, it could. You know, if you came in and say you blew a knee within, you know, the first month of preseason, then you, you'll still get that rest of that year paid for. You still can't change it just because they were injured for that year. Um, if the coach so decided come that May, you know, June time, they could always cancel, you know, pretty much cancel their scholarship and do that. They can. Now, I'm not saying that they should or they would. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are out of, out of, everybody's control in the situation of an injury and so I think more so it comes back to how what is that person doing to get back you know did they go and handle their health did they go do their rehab are they working to return and if they're not working to return I could see a lot of coaches deciding not to renew that scholarship just because you know, the, the injury is now holding them back. But as long as they're working and doing everything they're supposed to be doing to return to play, I wouldn't foresee a lot happening. But I don't want that to be like a safety question for people to think about. Some coaches do pull scholarships for injuries. And so, wow. the unfortunate fact. <laughs> That's at D2 though. I don't know at the division one. I don't know at the other Okay, cool. Well, I mean, hey, that's why we have you on and, and just finding out at D2 level and what's, what, what the possibilities are. Um, it's, I don't know if it's scary or it's nice or whatever, like the parents that send their kids to um, America, you know, for their opportunities um, and they don't know a lot about the system or the processes. And I guess when they get, it's only when the situation arises that it's like, oh, like I didn't know this could happen or I've never heard of this before. Or, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, as I said, I don't, it's kind of crazy, but it's also kind of like the passion of a parent wanting to child to succeed and live out their dreams. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting situation. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Lastly, uh, you know, on our last series, um, players spoke about coaches promising court time um, and certain roles when they were being recruited. And then when they came on campus and stuff, it switched. Now, I'm not saying you have done it or whatever, but I'm saying, can you talk about like what the disparity is and in that information sometimes? Um, I know me personally, I, I would probably say I would never quite trust a promise. Um, if you haven't actually been at the practice and you haven't been doing things because you know, when it comes down to who's playing and who's going to go on the court, a lot of it is geared towards who's put in the work one prior to getting there and two, who's showing up every day, who, and truthfully, sometimes it definitely comes down to statistically, you know, who's producing and who's doing the right things, um, who's building the relationships at that time. And so when it comes to prior to getting there, it's kind of hard to know. It, I mean, I, I find it kind of surprising. I know you said that you're not saying I did this. And so yeah. I find it surprising when coaches promise that kind of time. Um, you know, coaches definitely probably say like, hey, we can see you being very successful in this program. We definitely see you being a really big key role in the program. And maybe they just overassumed what the athlete could do. Um, probably feels like what the situation happened. And so it is unfortunate. And I, I know I would never promise a kid something because especially playtime, that's definitely not something that can ever be promised. Um, that's earned week to week, that's earned month to month. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I, as an athlete or an international student looking at the school, I would definitely watch a lot of that school's game film to know and like truly be honest with yourself, not just trying to go to a school just because you want to go to a school, but look at them and see, hey, do I really play that kind of basketball? Do I, would I truly fit in with that system? Because most teams do run the same thing every year. Um, they're typically a very similar team to the year they were before, unless they got a new coach. And so if you watch their game film and really see like, okay, that, that girl is a senior or that girl's a junior and I could possibly be taking her spot. Am I gonna be more productive than her? Or am I gonna slow, am I more of a slow paced player? Do I like, do I like to walk the ball up and they like to sprint the ball down? You know, like I would definitely sit there and evaluate, is this a program that I can benefit, like I can give to and be, you know, or else there's just gonna be that conflict and then there's gonna be no play time that you thought you had. And then it's just gonna be a miserable experience. <laughs> um, I like the word in the, the miserable relationship between them. Um, okay, so we're talk, looking at play time and st or looking at how the team plays. Um, can you give us an insight of what a typical uh, college day looks like for a, a student athlete? Yeah, um, okay, I'll give you the, the three different versions. So in preseason, uh, typically, you know, for us, we it, we practice in the morning during the preseason. So we go from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. with individuals. And so those are groups of four. And it's usually broken down per your like group. If you're a post group, you're a guard group, you're a PG group. Okay, okay. Um, and then that way it can be a little bit more specific to what you do. I would say the guards typically do a lot of similar things, but then some things are broken down into 
specifics and what's geared towards that person specifically. Um, but preseason is definitely about nailing down what the athlete is great at and making it even greater. And so 6 a.m., you know, we go, it's different. It's like 45 minute segments and we alternate how they like, who has to wake up the earliest, but go at 6 a.m. And then they go to class and then around two o'clock, they go back for weights, go to weights, and then usually go to dinner and work on some stuff. And then we have um, study hall in the evening. And so, and then in the preseason, you know, there's a lot of like, not this year, but typically like football games, a lot of fun activities for them to like go do. So there's a lot of things that we really push them to go spend some time outside, go enjoy the place that we're at. We're in a beautiful town in Colorado. So we really push them to try and enjoy the fall because it's just beautiful weather. It's nice outside, it's easy to enjoy. Um, And then when season starts to come, then our practices shift to the afternoons. they wake up, they go to class, they go to practice, they still have their study halls, they have their weights in the middle of the day. Um, go over, scout later in the week before a game. Um, and that's usually, you know, you got an hour before practice that so you're going over scout, go get ready for practice, go to practice, practice for two hours, and then go get dinner, and then we got study hall again. Um, it's Pretty very important. I'm, I'm sure most programs are very similar, but it's grades are very important for us and then after then during Christmas break Christmas break is the best because you get about a month where there's no school there's no people on campus because everybody went home and you just get to be in the gym all day you get to you know like you just get to think about basketball which is really nice and so during Christmas break uh, we usually go around like 10 to 12 practice and then weights after and then they kind of get the day it kind of depends on where we're at in the season sometimes we do two a days um and then work through the season and then in the postseason um we do individuals and we try to work their individuals out throughout the day not necessarily need to get them up at 6 a.m anymore and it's individuals and then in the postseason it's not necessarily about making what you're good at great it's about more so bringing those things that maybe you need more work on getting them up to good and then one day that'll slowly work itself up to great and so that's from like april may-ish that we have our postseason and then over the summer you know they're allowed to leave we can't make them stay on campus unfortunately at the dt level I mean, we would let them go anyways, but uh, this last summer we had, because of everything that was happening, they let us have contact in the summer and we had so much fun. We were playing one-on-one, two-on-two. They were coming in and getting workouts in all the time. You know, it was, it was a really fun summer with those girls, but they're able to go home. And the great thing about us is that we have a four month summer. And so a lot of like our international students, she's going to be able to go home for a while and get to go spend some time with her family. That's, that's quite a benefit. Wow. That's um, four months. That's that's a long time. You sounded so upset being, uh, sending the the players home coach. She sounded really upset. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not that I want them to have to work all the time. I just, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I really enjoy when they enjoy working out and stuff. <laughs> Don't leave well, me. <laughs> Don't leave me. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask, um, does the team only train um, pre-season and, and during season? But you kind of covered that. Um, but what type of playing statuses are there? So um, red shirt, gray shirt, what's the different statuses of, of playing? So you have, um, you know, like you're, if you're coming in as a freshman into a four-year program, you have your true freshman status, which means you're playing, you're enrolled in 12 or more credits for this semester, and you have, you're playing in games. Now, if you go a whole freshman year and you never play in a game, you technically have a redshirt season. But the moment you play for a minute in any of those games, you use a year of your eligibility. And so, and that that goes for any season. It's not necessarily just your freshman season. Um, you know, it could be your sophomore year. You can redshirt at any point in your career. That's usually a decision made between you and a coach. Um, and most people do a redshirt season their freshman year just because, you know, as opposed to going to the junior college level and getting the experience then, they take a redshirt year, don't use any eligibility, um, and then they still have four years after that to play basketball. But it gave them a year to kind of get the weights under their belt, to get playing time under their belt. And so it kind of depends where the coach at is at when it comes to redshirting. Either it's to develop a player more to get ready for the next season, or it's because maybe that player's position is a senior. And so they want to time it so that when that senior graduates, that person's moving into that position and they don't quite overlap or they don't waste eligibility in that sense. Um, red shirts are not always like a negative thing because if a coach wants you to red shirt, it's usually just because they have a lot of faith in you because they want to keep you here for five years instead of four. Um, and they see you doing a lot. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's, like I said, it's just about the And then there's also medical red shirts. And then in the case of like, you know, you got into your fourth game and you blew your knee, you can file for a medical red shirt and your athletic training staff has to take care of that part. And then you'll get that year of eligibility back. And so you can still play after that. And so, and you still have your red shirt after you medical red shirt. So technically you could stay there for six years if that was planned out with your program and everything. Um, just kind of depending where you are health wise and all that, but you get a medical red shirt and you get a red shirt. Nice. Okay. And I guess um, technically you can call this year a gray shirt because everybody gets their eligibility back. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought, yeah, kind of, well, didn't forget, but I kind of forgot with the COVID going on. Yeah. Everyone's kind of how, <laughs> how slightly off topic, how difficult is it going to make it for you this year as a coach? You know, I've spoken to a few coaches and it's a, it's good and bad because, you know, bringing in players for next year, you know, there's going to be a backlog. Um, some of your seniors, you know, you can have back uh, again next year. So um, how how is that for you? How are you finding that? Uh, it was definitely a little stressful at first because, you know, you had all these girls set on track to graduate and, you know, ultimately that's the goal. You want to win championships, but 
you know, the goal is to have them a career for life, you know, and have a degree and have an opportunity. And so they're all tracked to graduate. And now we're just kind of like, okay, what are we doing now? <laughs> so um, that was kind of stressful on that end of things. And then also, yeah, it changes your recruiting pattern. You know, you may not need a player as soon as you need, thought you needed a player. And so we had to do some reevaluating in the sense of what do we actually need per position, you know, going forward? And how does this affect the years after that? And so luckily for us, it wasn't too horrible because we don't have a, a, very, a super large roster. And so adding those players back in was actually, was not, was not necessarily a negative thing. Okay, nice, nice. Um, yeah, I know some coaches are stressing out and they don't know, especially like uh, junior college coaches as well, in terms of getting players recruited and bringing yes. in the next, you know, cohort. So they're in a, a really tough spot over there. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, can you play or practice while you are not academically eligible? So if you're not getting grades and stuff, what's your stance? So academic eligibility, um, you, um, give me a second. I believe you can still practice if you're mm. academically ineligible. Um, your coach may not want you to practice if you're academically ineligible, if their standards were set a lot higher than that and you fail to take care of what you're, what you're getting paid to do, which is take care of your grades. Um, but then if you are not, so in eligibility, if you're not over 12 credit hours um, enrolled in 12 credit hours and passing those 12 credit hours, then you cannot do anything with the team. You can't lift, you can't practice. Um, so, and then when it comes to the following year, you have to have so many credits to be able to be deemed as the next year. So as like a freshman to a sophomore. And so, you know, like we always enroll our kids in 15 credit hours every semester. And then that covers it, you know, as long as they pass all those 15, they're covered going into the next year and they'll be eligible that next fall. And so, but it's, it's very important. Um, we tend to not have to deal with the academic ineligibility very often just because we do the study halls, we do the checks, you know, it's just, we demand a very like, we want them to have a great GPA. And like I said, just to reiterate, like you're, you're getting paid to get a degree just as you are to play basketball. And so in order to play basketball, you have to be taking care of the school part. And so it all goes hand in hand. So um, the academic ineligibility, I believe you can still practice, but you may not be asked to practice. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I think that's a, a interesting thing. Uh, again, a lot of the international players, um, some of them, the dream is to play college basketball. It's I know a lot of young men, a lot of young women that I've worked with personally. It's like, hey, I'm going to play college ball, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's grades. You're going to school. You know. I know it's called. You know. It's student athlete that's how you're deemed so yes you want to play for Duke yes you want to play for North Carolina however if you haven't got the grades they can't even look at you um, exactly. and 
and okay if you do enough just to get there you know you just scrape in through um the requirements to get there it doesn't mean that you can put your feet up and then that's it you still have to maintain your gpa you still need to maintain and you know you're going to be hell-bent on trying to get to a program to play basketball but then you won't even be able to do that because you're you're academically ineligible so um, yeah. Always great for them to, to to understand that point. I think. Um, um, last few questions on coach. This after that. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to add. If you do go the junior college route, and you know you have those goals of D one, um, D one has a lot higher. Um, like you have to have a minimum of a grade point average. Theirs is higher than the Division two. And so sometimes Division Two gets D1 athletes because they don't make the grade and they slip through, you know, they slip through the cracks of D1. And so it, if that is a goal of any of them to go D1, then you and you go junior college, you have to take care of those grades because then you might miss out on an opportunity that was easily controllable just by, you know, going to class and passing them. You know, it's it's very important not to miss that just because you decided to slack off a little bit. What's the difference, coach? What's the difference in GPA? I believe, I believe D1 is like a 2.9 or higher. D2 is a 2.6. I'm going to have to double check that though, but I do know there's a difference. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I was just saying, hey, great having you here. Great having you uh, go through these questions and stuff. I'm really enjoying it. Um, last few. Um, what is the basic fundamentals um, that a student should have or know before coming into college? You know, what, you know, let's say everyday life skills and stuff. What should they know before getting in? Um, communication. I know. You know, I'm sure most students that are coming to the U.S. to play know English. I know a lot of the ones that I knew English was taught in their schools. Um, I wish the U.S. would adopt that and teach <laughs> another language as we grow, too, because that's so important. But, um, you know, communication is so important when it comes to communicating with the coaches about how you're going to arrive, you know, every detail coming in, you know, who have you signed up for your classes are you talking to the people that are taking care of that stuff um just all of that thing and the fact that if you don't know you need to be able to communicate how to figure that out how who can get you those answers and so and there's probably a lot that everybody doesn't know when it comes to that so communication huge fundamental skill when it comes down to it um, and not being afraid to ask for help when you need it because at the end of the day, you'd rather be asking a lot of questions as opposed to not getting to practice on time, not getting to be at the school on time or, you know, missing a lot of things. So um, communication is very important. I would definitely say the same thing to tie in with that. Start, you know, once you've committed to a school and they start communicating, you know, try and get your new teammates numbers. Try and get, you know, or their Snapchat or anything like that and start communicating, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the best friend for moment one, but, you know, just, just so they get to know who you are. And that way, when you show up on day one, it's not like, 
awkward or you know they're not they don't know how to communicate with you or anything like that they just they know who you are and you're part of the program you're part of the team and they're more likely you know everybody's more likely to reach out to each other and so we tell our girls to do that whether they're international or not just because it helps that transition a lot easier but um and then i would definitely say just settling in like I don't know if that's kind of a fundamental thing. I don't know, but just getting to the campus, figuring out where your classes are, figuring out where the gym is, like location-wise. If you didn't go on a visit, text one of your teammates, find out if they can tell you where everything is and really get a base because then you're gonna be able to be more comfortable. You'll know, okay, it takes me 10 minutes to get to class. I know exactly when I need to get up and when I need to eat and when I need to do this and you're not going to be scattered all the time. Then when you get to practice, you're calm because you took care of everything else that day and you're ready to go. And you can only think you have basketball to think about and that's it. Um, so that probably could really easily tie in with time management as well. Always think um, uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, basketball wise, I would say just show up and be you and be the player that you know that they recruited don't don't go out and try and be more don't try and be less by no means but just go out there get comfortable start playing pickup with your teammates and you know because the moment that everybody starts to settle in with who they are you know then everybody's going to feel more comfortable out there you know once you start getting in practice and they're like oh she's really good at passing she's really good at shooting then it just kind of makes the rhythm flow a lot better when the coaches start showing up as opposed to making the coaches figure it out. Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. Um, yeah, some good advice there. I think um, uh, for me, just uh, just uh, communicating with the teammates beforehand, before you get on campus, I think that could be a big uh, like icebreaker. You know, it's not just, oh, who do I got to talk? It doesn't feel so forced that makes sense yeah. i mean now you've already got a little bit of synergy trying to get into a, a, a group chat uh beforehand and you can you know see people's humor and how they communicate with each other so i think that's pretty good um yeah, that's a good shout um what type of relationship do you have with um the parents of you know your kids i know you kind of alluded to it before and you um, you said you keep up to date with them, but can can a parent call you whenever they feel, um, you know, if they have a question about how Jane's eating is, or you know, um, in reference to her schoolwork, can they call you whenever? Um, certain things we can't necessarily discuss just because of. Um, rules you know since they are 18 now we can't necessarily give away a lot of that information um without permission but a lot of times like we we do have a fairly open relationship with the parents of our athletes um you know we'll get texts about like hey you know especially this year can there be fans at these games you know are we able to come kind of things like that just because they don't know the rules we barely know the rules <laughs> yeah and so when it comes to covid <laughs> so we definitely have that kind of relationship um i know when we were getting registered for this next semester with a lot of the classes a lot of parents would call me just to double check hey 
my daughter, you know, is she doing this right? Does she need to see somebody? And so I, you know, those kind of things we're totally okay with. You know, a lot of these parents are putting a part of the bill, you know, they do still have a hand in their child's future. And so it is important to us to make sure that they're included at the point in which they're allowed to be included. Um, and then also, you know, there's a lot of times that we'll, we'll just be like, hey, yeah, she's doing great. You know, she's showing up to practice, but there's also times that we tell the girls, hey, make sure you're, make sure you're calling your mom, make sure you're calling your dad because they haven't heard from you a little bit. They're asking us about you. And so more so kind of really pushing them to make sure they, they're reaching out because sometimes they get caught up in all the fun and the, <laughs> and the work and they just, they forget to call home. So it happens often. What about the, uh, hey coach, um, I think you're doing a great job, but um, Megan hasn't played a lot the last game. Um, what, what what happened, you know? What's... Yeah, definitely not. No, <laughs> we we set that boundary from the beginning. We never discuss play time. If an athlete, if one of the girls want to come discuss play time, they're more than welcome. That's their prerogative, that's their job. Uh, we definitely want to empower them to speak for their problems as opposed to their parents. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, without a doubt, we never discuss playtime with parents um, because you know what their what their athlete or what their child might be telling them is maybe not what's happening in practice. So they don't get the whole story about why why we're doing what we're doing, and nor do they need to know why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> and so, that, definitely not. We do not discuss playtime with parents. Do you, have you had any of those phone calls? Like, have you, you know, and you've had to put a parent on like, hey, no, we're not doing this. Yes. And usually, you know, it's just like, hey, we don't discuss that. If you would like to tell your daughter to come in, that's fine. And then usually their daughter comes in and we talk about it and everything's cool. But yeah, I think every coach has had those phone calls, unfortunately. <laughs> Those are the, the I, it's, you know, when I get them, I, it's the eye roll. It's like, hey, coach, and I'm like, oh, gosh. And you're like, hey, look, no, it's <laughs> fine. It, you know, it's going to work out. Don't worry, we've got it covered. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very funny. Um, what advice would you give to parents that are concerned about their um, child's, you know, their child's uh, being so far away from home? you know, in terms of like friends and, you know, what would, what advice, um, or I guess, what can you tell them to kind of help them relax a little bit? Um, I would definitely say like they, they're getting, like their child getting recruited to a team. So on the plus side, you know, we always call that, you know, you have instant friends. It's not like every other student that's going to college and has to make new friends. You mm. kind of have instant friends because you have a group of people that you have to spend a lot of time with. Um, they may not be your best friends and you may make a best friend out of a classroom later in the year, but you have people that know if you're showing up every day or if you didn't wake up that morning. And so on the plus side, there's always somebody that knows if your daughter's okay, if, you know, if they're not feeling well, you know, there's, there's usually a team of about 20 people, all inclusive that know something about what's going on with your kid when it comes to their health or it comes to their, you know, whether they're feeling sad or not. And so I would, I would definitely trust that, you know, they're being watched in a good way. Um, 
I would definitely just say communicating with them. I know we as coaches push them to, and I don't know if all coaches push their kids to talk to their parents, but trying to get them to communicate, make sure they do have good influences around them. There's not always great influences at college. And so just making sure that they're checking in and making sure that the people they're surrounding themselves with, you know, I'm sure that parents that are sending their kids this far have pretty good faith in, in their kids, but it just takes one time. <laughs> And so that, and you know, like I said, not all coaches are super open to talking to parents all the time, but if they are, utilize that just to check in and make sure they're safe, that they're, they're happy. I mean, that's, that's all parents really want is their kid to be happy. Um, and I guess one of my favorite questions I get to ask, you know, um, is in terms of, you know, them being kids and being safe and happy, um, what is your philosophy or how in you know in your coaching career have you dealt with the perils that are the distractions that the kids endure so you know they're 18 they're 5,000 miles away from home um they have access to drugs alcohol and you know um the the relations with you know guys girls whatever um how like talk to us about that um well we like in most programs that i've been involved in the the ground has been set prior to the year beginning in the sense of like you have so many infractions or you are caught usually when it comes to drugs you're caught with drugs you haven't you can lose your scholarship you can lose your position on the team when it comes to drugs Drugs are usually a zero tolerance thing when it comes to all programs um, and something that they really need to reflect on. Uh, in the US, yes, some states have legalized marijuana um, over the age of 21, but it is still deemed a drug when it comes to the NCAA. And so all drugs are just a complete no-go when it comes to, comes to college basketball. And then when it comes to alcohol or the partying and attending those kind of events it's usually you know like if it's getting to the point where you're doing it a lot is it healthy is it you know are you doing the right things are you making the right decisions are they smart you know it's never wrong for them to want to go socialize and be friendly and hang out but you definitely have to be aware of your surroundings um where you're going, is it a legal activity that you're going to do if you're underage in the US, which is under 21, um, drinking underage is illegal. And so, you know, as an international student as well, like getting busted doing illegal activities is not always, not always a good thing on that, on that scorecard. And so, you know, just definitely taking those surroundings, understanding your situation, where you're going, who you're with, what you're doing is very important because it, it's easy to get caught up with the fun and, oh, hey, everybody's going to do it. The whole team's going. You know, sometimes it just puts you in a, in a situation. And in most situations, it may not have happened, but, you know, that could be the one party that you went to that just so happened that the cops showed up and now everybody's busted. Or it could be the one party that maybe somebody got seriously injured and now there's police there and there's a whole police report on it. And so, you know, you just never know. Anytime you go to a something, doing something you're not supposed to do, you're welcoming an opportunity to get yourself in trouble. And so 
Now, I don't ever want to say you can't go hang out and have fun with your teammates. Just make sure you understand your situation and what those consequences can lead to. Understanding your team rules, understanding your school's rules. Um, each school's different when it comes to those kind of things. And so just making sure that you're not putting yourself in a situation to have a bad light on your athletic, you know, um, on the athletic department, as well as on your team, because you know, if you're in a police report that looks back on your coach, that looks back on you, that looks back on that athletic department because of the reason you're there. And, you know, that's just hindering the relationship that you're going to have with that coach in order to have a good career and have a good basketball relationship as well as a personal relationship. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, coach, I really appreciate your time. Um, it's been very informative. Um hoping that um, I'll get to work with you in the near future and hopefully send some uh, players your way. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a great sit down and talk with you. Thank yes. you very much. This is Cindy McHenry. Thank you for watching with Eurostepping and make today a great day. Appreciate you watching the Eurostepping. I want to thank everybody for watching Eurostepping. Watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.